top moments from our Friday happy hour where Morgan and I answer your questions in our community live every Friday and cut them up and put them together for you. So hopefully you'll enjoy. three bananas training this week one of them was twilio on tuesday uh the other was uh what's it called uh udemy on wednesday and uh slack on on thursday so three legit companies awesome logos fun time uh but and thankfully they were all in san francisco so i didn't have to bounce around 15 different places um but i know uh i know you had a kick-ass one this week too right yeah, so I was at Namely, I was in New York and got the inevitable delay of flight before the day of training, which seems to be happening to me a lot lately. I don't know why, but it is what it is. Uh, but no, it was a really good session. Uh, we really dove deep into cold calling objections, how to really handle them. So that was a really good conversation. I always like talking to teams about, hey, look, you know, I wasn't, I used to not like cold calling at all. Like it wasn't my thing, but here's some things I learned that got me more confident. So, mm-hmm. you know, right after the training, people were on the phones and excited. So it was overall, it was a really good training and, you know, it was a good time being there. Nice. Yeah, I'm actually finding, you know, it's funny that uh, uh, the small nuggets, right, that this tra- a lot of this training is about that we throw out there, uh, that more and more people are getting around I'm, I'm pushing more and more on that intro of hey thanks for taking my call you got a couple of minutes yeah um because I, i'm thinking more and more about what uh armin from drift uh, told, said which is how again we you know by we do certain things that trigger the client to go into certain modes yep and and just by when you call up and say hi this is john barrows from j barrows consulting like that immediately clicks them into the mindset of sales rep. How do I get off this phone? And they're really just not, they're not listening. They're absolutely not listening to what you're saying. All they're trying to do is think of how to get you off the phone. But if you do the, Hey, thanks for taking my call. Do you got a couple of minutes? And they say, well, they usually say, well, no, but what? Right. Mm -hmm. And right there, they just gave you the permission to talk. And so now instead of trying to figure out how to get you off the phone, they're like, all right, what? right and then you can talk so now you can at least have a conversation so just that one alone is really helping people out from a calling standpoint yeah so i'll add context to that so one of the main things that uh the reps were leading with was that same exact thing you said like hey i'm from this company and they were getting hangups and i was like that is something that i used to do and you it's like a normal behavior because everyone does it but i was like when you're calling that you can't do the same thing that everyone else is doing that's why you're getting hung up on so we got to find out a different way to get that entry point, which is why we said, thanks for taking my call. Do a few moments and we dove into that. So that's, it's a game changer. It's helped me out a ton and it's helped me have good conversations and I don't really get hung on. Uh, you know, sometimes people obviously are going to hang up on me because they're just annoyed because it's a cold right. call, but you can't evade. There's no tactic or silver bullet. You can get around those people, right. but I guarantee you, if you go with a different intro, then hi, first, whatever your first name is and uh, your company name, you're, it's just automatically the tone changes. And everyone laughs when I mention this is because when there's a cold call and you, and they answer and they're like, hello. And then you go into, hi, I'm from, and then you immediately can like, you feel it. Like they just like are like guards yeah. up. They're ready to fight you. They don't want to talk to you. And everyone laughs because they know that's what happens. And yep. so you gotta have a different intro. So let's dive into the questions though. So a couple from the group is a good amount. Uh, question from Muhammad. question regarding cold emails. So, 
He has his clients are typically large e-commerce companies. They want to optimize their platforms to generate more online sales. There's a targeted list of companies and about three or four people in this in those companies for context: CMOs, director, VPs of marketing, digital e-commerce or product managers. Uh, and they nor normally find triggers for events before we send them a semi-customized email. After that, we have sales reps reaching out to them as prospects. So we're saying this is time consuming. The question is we have is if we should include all these titles or leave out, leave out some top management, such as the CMOs who may have an assistant that filters out their emails. At the same time, we're wondering, should we have a similar email to working at the same company, most likely in the same department? Your thoughts on this? So pretty loaded question, a lot of things there. Yeah, a lot of things there. Um, so I don't know. I, th I think, you know, I look, I go after everybody, right? You just got to make sure that your, your, your persona, your messaging is relevant to the personas. I will say um, I'm, I'm a little less, you know, I used to be all in on the, like the super top down approach, right? Like the CMO, the CEO, like, hey, what's up? You know, something talk, talk to you about who's the best person to speak with on your team about that, that type of thing. Um, I've kind of, we've kind of the cautionary tale, I guess, on this one, which is if you, if you go all the way up top, like CMO level, and if you get knocked down, like if you, if you get like shut down, not, not, not like pushed down to somebody else, but if you get shut down by the CMO, now you're pretty much screwed because no matter what you do at those other levels, like the CMO already said no to you. So even if the people below that power line really want what you're doing. So for me, you know, I, I still go high like VPs and stuff like that, but I'm cautious on the C-level approach these days because only if I have something super relevant to say to the C-level executives is when I go off when I go after them. Um, but I think the 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 answer to the question is really about you know coming up with content beforehand so you're not reinventing the wheel every single time. So like like Slack did right. So for instance, I would sit down and go through a messaging exercise with this group and say, all right, what are the main triggers, right? What are the, let, let's pick, who are the personas? Um, you know, CMO, CEO, whatever. Uh, what are the main triggers that we add value to, right? So if we're like, you know, is it open up a new office, launch a new product, you know, whatever it is, growth, those type of things, what are those things? And then based on those personas in those industries, I would come up with all the messaging for those triggers. And then I would come up with the messaging for the for the personas in those industries based on their priorities. And so like do literally a full blown workshop on that in one day where you got the whole team working together, marketing, sales, operations, whatever. And then you make your life a million times easier moving forward because now it's just a plug and play scenario. And then you could split test different messaging and all that other stuff, because I think what he's getting at there is. The, the reason it's so time consuming is because it's always this one, it's this one off thing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going and, I, and I'm, I'm talking a lot about that in the training these days, because if I were to tell you, and this is just human nature, this isn't, this isn't anybody in spe specifically, but if I gave you, hey, Morgan, pick an account you want to get into uh, and you have 30 minutes to, to do research, right, to find something to say you'll take 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like you'll look, you'll kind of go through and you'll, especially if I just say, look for one thing, right? Because usually what people do is they look for the perfect thing. They're like, ah, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. And then they like, oh, there it is, right? And then they write this really detailed, very thoughtful email and send it off. And, and then, you know, schedule another activity three or four days later. 
Now, first of all, there's two things wrong with that. One is when that activity comes up three or four days later, you're probably already 30 to 40 activities past due. And, and now I got to write another thoughtful, tailored email to that person, like go do research. And then not only do I have to find something new, but I also have to tie it to my first one somehow, shape or form. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's hard to do. But if I did all the research at the same time and told my story, okay. And if I had resources to pull the messaging, I could do that a lot more efficiently. The other challenge is when you do that much research and send that much of a tailored email and it take a half an hour and you don't get a response, that is like... That's self-defeating in the sense that now you're frustrated. You're like, well, then why the hell would I spend a half an hour writing an email to somebody if I'm not getting a response on it? Like I can hit, I can hit play and send out a thousand emails and at least a few people get back to me. And, you know, that only took 10 minutes versus a half an hour for one. So like by doing it, you know, by doing it as a one-off, it ends up being way too frustrating and time consuming. But if you did all the messaging up front and then listen for those triggers and use that messaging and put together cadences that way, you have a chance. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you also have to just treat it as a, as a plug and play and treat it as a system as John is talking about and understanding what you're doing. Cause a lot of people that I continuously have conversations with is they, they do the same thing you said. They are looking for this one golden nugget. They spend an hour when I say, hey, spend 15, 20 minutes, put a timer on, find five to seven, maybe eight things, and then use that as part of a seek, as part of your outreach and all your cadences moving forward so that you can actually have a good type of uh, cadence methodology. And I think the problem what people have is that they don't use those triggers that they find. And then you could use that for each persona. Mm -hmm. and, you know, just go after the people that, you know, are the end users of the people that will respond and then just create everything off of that. So I, I think that's like the easiest way to do it. Otherwise you're going to be creating these messages every single time. And that's just going to be a waste of time. And I wouldn't recommend doing that. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you that this, this came up a kid right before our, our, our we kicked things off here. I was on a call and he, he was, uh, he, he asked some things about gatekeepers, whatever, but he also asked like the motivation thing, right? Because he's like, I don't know what it is, John, but I was crushing it in Q1, Q2. Then I don't, I don't know if it's the summer or what, what, um, you know, seems like I'm not getting any responses and I, you know, I'm, I'm missing my number now and those type of things. So, you know, his question really was to, to stay, how to stay motivated. He's like, look, I, I follow Gary V. I read his books and, you know, uh, you know, Tony Robbins and those type of things. And he was looking for kind of like, Hey, who else, you know, could I use to stay motivated? I took a little bit of a different angle, but I was, I wanted to ask you like, what are, what, what, what do you do to stay motivated? Right. Like you personally, Morgan, like when you're when things like I mean, I think it's easy when things are good and yeah. when things are good, like that's when people get lazy because they're going so well. They don't say focus on continuing to improve. Right. They just feel like that momentum's moving in the right direction. But what are some of the things that you do personally to stay motivated day to day through the grind of sales? Yeah, so I'll definitely touch on that. So this week, actually, from a sales standpoint, was not good. So people were pushing on me. People were saying, hey, like this isn't going to work or we're going somewhere else or we're not going to talk until 2019. So I've had a lot of that this week and a lot of it's just completely out of my control. Like there's nothing I could better or worse to, to those things to happen. Like it happens. So when those things are happening to me, I always try to go back and figure out, okay, like why am I doing this in the first place? Uh, next week is going to be better. I always tell myself that week because I already know next week's going to be way better than this week from a sales standpoint. Now I'm talking about like the training went well, the sales standpoint. And then what I try to do is figure out, okay, what can I be doing 
while I'm taking these losses. So maybe figure out like why that's happening. Maybe I'm saying something wrong on the phone. Maybe I should have maybe set up next steps a different way. Uh, maybe I can dive deeper into the count while they, maybe the meeting got pushed out to next week. I feel like, okay, maybe that's another chance for me to take a little bit deeper research. So then when I get on the next call, I'm actually more prepared. So I always think about, for me, is when a negative situation happens, it's more so how can I have a positive outlook on it? So what I, what I think there's a quote, right? It's like it, everything, like something, everything happens to you, but it depends on what, how you react to it is how your results are going to be. Something of that nature is the quote. And so that's how I always stay motivated is knowing that like everybody's automatically going to go through bad stuff, but I have an advantage to and make it positive. And then also I know at the end of the day, like I just have, I'm just focused on like long-term goals. So I never let but the short term what's affecting me affect the long term of what's actually happening. So that's how I normally stay motivated because otherwise you're going to put yourself in a, in a really bad spot. And one week isn't going to, isn't going to kill you one quarter. Okay. That, that may be affected you, but like if you have an entire bad year, you need to evaluate a lot of different stuff what's going on. But I think everyone's always going to have a bad week. That doesn't matter who you are. Um, bad months happen, bad quarters even happen. And then you have to understand exactly what you want to do. So those are those are ways that I just stay motivated. Again, some people may think that's not, it's not as helpful, but yeah. that's really how I just stay motivated. Like, I just know that it's just going to get better. Like, it's not going to be worse. And I have to tell myself, hey, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I, so that's kind of what I told them. You know, I always worry when people ask about motivation. Like, hey, how how can I, you know, how can I be motivated? I wrote a blog post on this a while ago called, uh, um, you know, there's a big difference. I There's a big difference between motivation and inspiration. Um, to me, motivation is an internal thing, whereas, whereas inspiration is an external thing. Like, I sometimes get inspired by Gary Vee. To, 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 you know, like one of my favorite, actually one of my favorite posts of Gary Vee is it shows up on, on Instagram and it shows up on Facebook every once in a while. And it's just an image with text over it. And it says, uh, you found your motivation. Now stop scrolling and, uh, and, oh, go. Yeah. Yeah. Right? and it's just like, it's one of those reminders where, you know, every once in a while I'll be just sitting there just kind of scrolling through Facebook and it kind of punches me right in the face every time. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. All right. Yeah. Let me get back on the horse again. Right. Um, but, but if I don't have my own internal motivating factors here, that's going to be fleeting. You know what I mean? That's going to, it's going to spike and I'll be motivated. I'll be inspired for a little bit, but then I'll go back to, yeah, what, why? And that, so that's why I, I worry for people that are like, oh, I need somebody. I'm looking for motivation. I'm looking for motivation. Um, if you're not driven internally, and I think a lot of that comes down to what you said, which is goal setting, right? Like, yeah. Most people don't have a plan. Most people don't say five years out, this is where I want to be. Most people don't have that. And if you don't have that, it's going to be really hard for you to be motivated to do anything other than get up out of bed every once in a while and try to, you know, make sure you don't get fired. Right. Yeah. I think if, if you're worried about, dang, if I don't perform, I'm going to get fired. That's a, this is something that I think this is, this is the reason why straight up why people need motivation. It's because you're not, you're not in an abundance mindset. That's the problem. You are, you're in a, huh? What's that mean? What's an abundance mindset? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go into it. So okay. yeah, I'm going to go into it. So you're not thinking, okay, I'm having a bad week this week, but I know next week I'm going to do better. You're thinking I'm having a bad week this week. So I'm going to have a bad next week and a bad month and a bad quarter. You're not abundantly thinking that just because something bad's happening, 
that it's all going to be, it's going to be fleeting. I'm thinking if something bad's happening. Okay. It is what it is, but I have an abundant mindset that like other things good are going to happen to offset what is bad is happening. So I think that's the problem with most people is they're looking for the motivation. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go watch some stuff by Gary, but I'm never looking for motivation from Gary. I'm looking for just that inspiration. Be like, you know, what? yeah, you're right. Like I need to go do that specifically from a tactic standpoint. And I think additionally that goes into like where, like we talked about this is not what, what do you want to do in five years? It's like, what do your, what does your, what do you want your life to look like in five years? So I always think of that. And if I tell myself, Hey, I want my life to look like this. And then I'm not either putting in the work to do it, or I'm on, I'm fleeting because of negative situations and circumstances, then that's on me. And nor, nor, more so than not, I'm going to realize, okay, I need to inspire my own self and I need to get it together. And I need to get back in an abundance mindset to continuously thrive forward. So I think that is what happens to most people, because when you think about what most people's problems are from a sales standpoint, it's like, I don't have enough leads. My territory is not good. Um, I'm not getting enough opportunities for my SDR. That's a fleeting mindset. It's not abundance mindset. Like you should be like, okay, I'm not getting enough leads for my SDRs. Great. I'll just go prospect. I'll go read a book to help me prospect better. So that's always been my mindset. It's like, if something's not working, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to go buy because I got all these books right now. Sales books to help myself. Yep. Add some new techniques to, to my sales calls, which has been helping me. Yep. And I think that's where you have to be. Don't look for motivation. Look for skills to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, here's an exercise because I think the, the negative mindset, yeah, obviously, a lot of things are about momentum, right? Like if things are going bad, they seem yeah. to keep going bad. And that's where I do. Like, I'm not a huge Tony Robbins fan. Like, I don't I don't hate him, but like, I don't I've never <laughs> I've never been somebody who needs like somebody else to motivate me. Right. I, for whatever reason, I've always been pretty internally driven, but, but Tony, one thing I do take away from Tony's stuff is, you know, he has the whole change your state, right? Like you just like do something, stand up, yell, whatever it is to change your state because your state is negative and it will be keep going negative. And one of the things that I, I had a friend uh, who was going through a pretty rough patch and this is an exercise just like the, that I would almost recommend anybody do or recommend to anybody who is going through a hard time, mm-hmm. which is when you're going through a hard time, again, you're inherently looking at negative, you know, you're, you have a negative lens on life in, in a lot of ways. Um, so you need to change that lens. So what I told her to do is I said, hey, I gave her a notebook and I said, look, I want you to go around tomorrow and every single thing that I want you to write down every single thing that positive that happens to you. And, and by the way, I don't know, I don't care how small it is, right? Somebody opened the door for you. You got a text from a friend that you hadn't heard from in a little while. You know, you, you got through a gatekeeper, you know, whatever, right? You got, you hit the green lights on your way to work. Just literally write down every small thing, right? And just, and then let's talk at the end of the day, right? So she did it and she came back with five pages of notes and she was like, oh, my God, she's like, I can't tell you how, like, you know, this really just there is so many positive things. And it just flipped her mindset because the whole concept there is to stop looking at it from a negative and start looking at positive and start moving in that direction. So, exactly. um, you know, if anybody's out there having a hard time, uh, go through that exercise, see what happens. I almost promise you it'll change your perspective. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a game changer. And then uh, another thing to add on top of that is you can also do affirmations. So it's something that I used to do. I don't really do them anymore because I, I can filter out a lot of negative things that come in my head. But it's uh, something I read in a book and it's basically said, hey, like write down like for the day how you want to feel. So it'd be like, you know, I feel amazing or like I feel like I'm going to 
crush quota, whatever you're going to say. And then you say it to yourself in the mirror. So people think that's really weird, yeah. but going back to Tony Robbins, that's what, that's what he, that's what he did. He told himself every single morning, I'm unstoppable, I'm unstoppable, I'm unstoppable, I'm unstoppable. And it helped him obviously get to the level where he's at. So it's something to be as crazy as Tony Robbins. Cause he'd like yell in the car, but yeah. something to help you uh, get into a positive mindset. Cause it more so isn't, and this is actually why when I first was saying, hey, I want to be a motivational speaker. I don't even like saying that anymore because it was more so like I'm giving you motivation to be excited for a day or two. Right. Right. And that's not really what I want. More so like from a motivator standpoint, which is like where I see myself as is someone who's going to give you some type of inspiration to actually take action upon the things that I told you. Like that's what I would rather want. And that's what we want from a training standpoint. <clears throat> so that's more so how you should be thinking is finding people not who are going to motivate you and get you excited for like an hour but like oh that was cool and then you don't do anything you need to find people who are going to make you feel like you have to do something because they hit home with you so hard and that's one reason that i really like gary because when i watched his videos for the first time i was like i'm not doing what i need to be doing right yeah inspired to take action exactly Cool, man. All right. What are some of the other questions? So the next, yeah, next question uh, from Khaled. Uh, shout out to Khaled, though. Posts uh, the SAS Weekly in the group. Really awesome. helpful. So yep. Insights there. So we appreciate that. Uh, but this question is, any users of Seamless.io, uh, what is the advantage of using over Sales Navigator? So have you ever, I can't even, I can't even say that. I don't even know why. But yeah. have you used that before? No, I haven't. Um, you know, I, Brandon's obviously making a big, you know, have you been following Brandon on, on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that? Yeah, I've known, I've known Brandon when he, when he first started the company. Yeah. So I've known him for a while and you know, he's doing his thing, major respect, yeah. but I actually have, I've only seen the platform once yeah. I've never used it. So I would not be able to answer, Hey, is it better for sales navigator? But yeah. at the end of the day, sales navigator is is a tool that you have to have as a sales rep. And if you don't, I don't know why you don't have it. That's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, but then again. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think ultimately it also goes back to are you looking for quality or quantity, right? Because, I mean, Seamless's pitch is, um, you know, very accurate data on everybody. But I think it's very focused on like the tech industry or something like that. You know, so it has real high quality data in certain areas, but not in others just like any other platform, you know, zoom info or whatever, right. but, um, you know, and that's where, if you're looking for lists to then, you know, hammer out and, you know, develop territories around and those type of things as an individual sales rep though. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say sales navigator is probably the best, you know, it, it's, I think it's one of the top three tools you need to have. Right. So it's Salesforce, you know, Salesforce, LinkedIn, sales navigator, and then, you know, pick your poison as far as your third one. But, uh, but that one, you know, it's tough to say that that I I would choose one over the other. I mean, you know, well, I mean, I would probably choose LinkedIn. I, I hate to say it because I love what Brandon's doing there, but I have a hard time saying that I would get rid of Sales Navigator. Um, yeah, for, I would never right? do that. <laughs> so, uh, if I had to get rid of LinkedIn Sales Navigator, that'd be a sad day for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I haven't used the product. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you. What if I shut off? So say Zoom Info versus Sales Navigator. Which one would you? Which one would you keep? That's a good question. So I got to choose either Zoom Info or Lean Sales Navigator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to turn off LinkedIn Sales Navigator. You would. You turn off. You'd, you'd keep Zoom. Because I because I don't have any I don't have any data. I can find all the people in the world, but how am I gonna how am I gonna get the data? 
You mean it's like to call those people or to engage with them? To call them, to email them? Like, yeah. Yeah. I have to have some type of tool. Like, if you're not going to give me any data tool? Well, because Sales Navigator, you can't scrape the data out of Sales Navigator. It's just the content that they have in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just... So I'd be screwed. I, I mean, I could find all the people, but yeah. I would only be able to call the company HQ and then my emails, I have to manually go find them. That just seems yeah. very difficult. Okay. I would not want to do that. So, yeah, I mean, so I think it's... So the question was Sales Navigator versus Seamless? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the, the answer is really depends on on how much data you have, right? So if you already have a bunch of content or like contact information and then can use that to go into Sales Navigator to look up information about those people, then I would, you know, I would go with Sales Navigator. But if it was, you didn't have the contact information and in-mails, you know, aren't really obviously always the, the best approach to, to engage with people. So then you go with seamless, so. Yeah. And in a rare scenario, were you able to secure a key stakeholder meeting with a large, uh, account almost right off the bat and then you have everyone who's in there and you have all the you have you have along the way you have the proper discovery and needs analysis he said what are some tips for working backwards what i've done so far he says is what's graham saying reach back out to the high level executive dm uh, decision maker and ask for an intro to people on the front lines who would help give context they did make the intro and have an interview set up with two main managers what else can i do to prepare in advance I need to make sure the, the presentation for the buying group of six is super compelling and personalized Okay, so um, what I would well the the idea the ideal scenario for me in that case is I have a champion. So of of the six people that are in there, there's one person that I've worked with up until that point that is like, yeah, like we want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what, Morgan, we got to do this type of thing because then I'm gonna ask that person to help coach me on how best to present to these people. Right. Because I got to figure out within that presentation, I don't know the internal politics. So I want to understand, first of all, who is the actual decision maker? I know it's usually a committee, but there's almost always that one person that's kind of the main heavyweight, if you will. So who is that person? Then, um, you know, what what will resonate? Right. Because everything about this goes back to sell to the 20 percent. Right. Which is find the 20 percent that's really going to hit. Now, the challenge is that when you have five, six people like the 20% might be different for each one of them. So as some tactical things that I might recommend might relate back to the meeting efficiency survey that I put out there uh, with a blog last week, which was you might send a quick survey to all six people to say, hey, I'm looking forward to our, you know, our, our meeting coming up tomorrow or whenever it is next week. I uh, wanted to make sure that we really hit on your priorities and, and, and what you wanted to make sure you get out of this. So if you could take two seconds and fill out this quick little survey, I'd appreciate it, right? And you send it to each person individually. And don't make it a huge thing that they have to fill out. But uh, one of the things I would, you know, priorities, one of the things I would absolutely put in there is, you know, the, again, the decision-making priorities in the sense that how are you looking at this? Like, what are your priorities when making this decision? Are you looking at price? Are you looking at speed? Are you looking for, you know, adoption, reinforcement, whatever those things are, and try to get that from each person, right? If you can get that, I mean, this is, holy shit, this would be incredible. If I sent you the meeting efficiency survey and the other five people, and I got that data back, if there were some common themes of what the priorities were, then obviously I'm going to push for, um, you know, my presentation in that direction. Now, the other, the other approach, the other Good and bad news about that would be that, that all the priorities come across different, 
right? So every single person's priority is a little bit different um, or very different. And then you know that you have a, you have a bigger challenge on your hand, but then you need to act as the, almost as the facilitator in that meeting to try to get everybody on the same page, um, of why they're doing this and, and then angle the presentation towards obviously the main decision makers, main priorities, unless they change that way. So if there's some way that you can have them do a little bit of homework, you've done the qualification, but if you have extra questions that you could pose to all those people, cool. The other thing I would do is I would send the agenda and look and ask for feedback. So the shared agenda and looking forward to everybody yep. meeting everybody here's got a few things I want to make sure that we cover early on. We're going to have time for other stuff. Please email me back to let me know what else you'd like to add to this. So you get everybody there. Um, you start the meeting with that agenda and you build it together, even if they don't respond to it. So, Hey, thanks everybody. Do you still have a half an hour? Great. Um, just want to go around the room real quick and just make sure that we're all on point today. What do you want to get out of this? What do you want to get out of this? What do you want to get out of this? What do you want to get out of this? And then build the agenda around that and then stay focused on that and don't let the conversation go off in a million different directions. Right. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is, is Crystal knows, you know, um, if you can get the names of all the people that are going to be in that meeting, go on a Crystal knows, take a look at their personality profile and and see like what you think they like because crystal knows will actually help you understand is this a very data-driven person is this a straight to the point person is this a person that likes stories that type of stuff and then you can kind of you know angle your presentation in a way that addresses at least the main decision makers and, and and how they like to be communicated with so those are things i'd recommend for a big dog meeting like that yeah yeah, I mean, the stuff that I've done just from a very practical standpoint recently that's helped me is when I'm with a, someone who's like, yep, I'm the champion, I really want to do this, and I got to go meet with, like, the VP or the SVP or someone in finance, I just ask the same questions that you're asking, making sure that I document that out. So I normally have a document, and I'm like, all right, here's some things that we talked about in previous conversations. Here are your priorities. Here are your challenges. I'm going to write this out on how our training could impact that. And then you give me some feedback. Then it's like, okay, like that's not as important as this. Make sure you touch on this. These are some things that the executive really wants to touch on. Come with this type of facts so that, you know, there's a good conversation around it. And these are the type of questions that you may get asked. So I normally set up a 30 minute call or a 15 minute call or a quick call just to figure out the context before I go in that conversation. Cause I don't want to come, I don't want to come with an approach that I thought was going to be right. And then it's wrong. And then we have a bad meeting. So, and what I've realized is that when you come to, and we already read it from Gong, when you come to a meeting and you ask all these questions, they're going to be like, I don't, I don't have time for all these questions. Yeah. You just got to come with here. This is how we're going to help. You ask a couple questions to say, hey, does that resonate? Is this helpful? And be the actually most impactful thing for me. So I would encourage everyone to do that. And it's what I've been doing moving forward and it's helped me close deals. And that's what I'm going to continue to do is like, Hey, what do we need to say to to this decision maker, I'll come, I got the information. You just gotta let me know what I gotta say. Cause I can right. do that. Yeah. And that's, and, and I, the more I think about it, you know, the, the, when I used to do a lot of, a lot more face to face with multiple people, hmm. um, you know, it, 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 it's the same thing that we do in the training, right? Which is instead of just diving into your PowerPoint presentation and going through your slide deck, you know, we start to engage early and then go and cut and focus on the ones that are most relevant, right? So, hey, what do you want to get out of this? I'd really recommend in a, in a half hour, hour presentation or whatever to say, hey, okay, first part of this, the first part of our meeting today, I'd love to just give quick intros 
and and get an understanding of what are your priorities as it relates to this objective and 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 also what do you want to get out of today's presentation so i can make sure that i speak to the stuff that you really want to make sure that we focus on here and just go one to one to one take notes while you're doing that so you know exactly who so you can then reference back that because this way what's going to happen with six people whether it's in person or over the phone you're going to lose people at certain you're going to lose every single person in there at some point in the presentation they're not all going to be engaged because at some point you're going to be talking about something that is not relevant to the person to somebody else right but if you go around saying oh yeah remember morgan remember when you know that type of thing like you said this that automatically picks you up and says oh shit now i need to pay attention so now you're engaged so make sure you do that too because that's something that i i've made mistakes on is when there's multiple people on the call like obviously there's the one point of contact you're talking to make sure you refer to other people in the call yeah like I've definitely done that where I was only talking to one person, but there's like six people on the call and I should have addressed everyone else. Um, you know, there's, I was, a, I think there was one call that we were on. There was like eight people on the call at one time. Yep. So like, you got to make sure that you're bringing other people in to feel, make them feel included, even though they're not the ultimate decision maker, there's still probably influences on the decision. And if they're, if they're quiet, be careful because they're suspect there's always, there's always the, especially five, six, seven people on a call. There's always that one naysayer that's just waiting for their chance to pounce or yeah. waiting for their chance to just be part of the conversation, listen in. And then as soon as you hang up, they're like, that's bullshit. There's no way that they can do that or something like that. Yep. You engage with them and you're friendly with them. You, you might soften that up a little bit. You know what I mean? So like if you were, if you were quiet, throughout the whole presentation and it was going real good with two or three other people, I would absolutely say, so, Hey, you know what, Morgan, we haven't heard much from you throughout the presentation today. Like what are some of the things that you really want to make sure that, that we address here or some of the challenges that you're faced with, right. To almost force you to engage. And if you engage and we have a good conversation then I'm like, all right, I feel good. But if you're just like, nah, I'm good. Now I know who my problem is. Right. So. Cool. Cool. So some advice on that. And then that's all the questions from the group. Uh, one thing is poll results that were in the group. Have you taken the JBRL sales training? So a couple of people answered that. No, yes to the company, yes themselves. If you get a chance to check out that poll, just to check it, we want to see in the group uh, who hasn't gone through so we can start maybe putting some different content in their YouTube video as to see. Uh, but in addition, that's all I see from the group. There's no questions in the Facebook chat. So I don't know if there's anything that you want to touch on from a training this week that was interesting or anything you want to talk about. No, I mean, I think that motivational piece was the one that, uh, that caught me, you know, uh, again, because it reminded me of, of why, you know, certain people are successful and certain people aren't, you know, a lot of people, I think I'm going to go back to Gary in the sense that, you know, another thing that he said that, that I, I worry about too, um, but he specifically said, Hey, you know, my biggest fear is that all of you like, consume all my content and you you're super engaged with my content, but you're not fucking doing anything. Like one of the things that, you know, I think I'm hopefully Gary would like you and my approaches in the sense that I don't even really, I don't follow 95% of his shit anymore because I'm out there executing. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, look, I, when I see a post, I see a post. But, you know, he's got this one where uh, the, the first 50 or something like, have you seen this? Like where if he the posts first in line, what's that? Yeah. First in line. Right. I so, don't even have time. To no way. And I, concerned, I <laughs> people, 
My thing is, I think concerned with people who do this. Is why I'm kind of curious. I know why he's doing it to drive engagement, and he's right. got people anyways. Kind of counterintuitive. But I, but I, but I'd be current concerned with somebody who was constantly like the first person to, you know, like my tweet or something like that. I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? You're just sitting around waiting for my shit to drop. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's you know the thing where the difference that I see and and the frustration I I'm I have is that. I still look, I still see people looking for an answer. You know what I mean? As far as, Oh, I don't, I don't have the tools. I mean, I was just talking, I'm not going to name which client, but there was more than a few people that I talked to this week, managers where they're just like the reps are asking questions like what, what, you know, where are the tools? Where are my leads? Where, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being invested in and, you know, I don't get the training I want. It's like, what the fuck? There are so many resources out there for free. All you got to do is get on Google and type in whatever the hell your problem is or whatever the hell you're trying to learn and go learn it. You know, and that's why, like, for instance, like, uh, you know, remember the the show, The Biggest Loser, right? Like the big, like really big people who They're would really big people, then they get, yeah, yep. I used to, at first when I came out, I was like, oh, this is gross, you know, that blah, blah, blah. You know, like this is just about, you know, unhealthy people. But I, I flipped real quick because I realized it's actually a fantastic show because what it proves is, is that it just takes hard work. You know, those people who are 400 pounds, 500 pounds, like that type of stuff, like that sucks. However you got there, you got there, but it doesn't mean you have to stay there. It just means you have to get up and start walking. You know what I mean? I mean, and hit the treadmill and, and and do it hard. And yeah, don't get me wrong. They had the motivator there. They had somebody in their face pushing them really hard and so that they wouldn't give up. But most of those people got through that. You know what I mean? And dropped 300 pounds, 400 pounds and did good for themselves in their lives. That, yeah. that kid Reggie, who I'm still going back and forth with, like he just said, fuck it. I'm going to go make this happen. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I really do get frustrated sometimes when people are like, well, I don't have this. And I mean, I had a phone, I had a fucking Excel spreadsheet and I had, uh, what else? That was it. And a, and a pen. Don't sell my shit. Right? <laughs> we still, I still, we were still the fastest growing company in Massachusetts, but it wasn't because, you know, we had the best product out there. We had a good one, but it was because I just hustled. And I think that's what people are missing these days. A lot of people are missing these days. Yeah, and it goes back to the motivation piece. And I, I feel like as the more I'm in, like, just in the mindset that I'm in, I don't have as good advice because I just think it's, like, super simple. Like, because when you really think about it, and, and Gary talks about this too, and a lot of entrepreneurs that are in this modern age talk about it, it's like, we have so much access to literally anything. Yeah. And when you really think about it, I told someone of this, like, you can actually do whatever you really want at any time. Like, I could go find a flight to wherever and go there and find all the information and probably find somebody that I know and actually probably have a really good time. Like I could go find about any company right now, find my research, dive in deep. I could find out about anybody information. It's not that hard. So I'm always confused why people are like, I just don't have enough information or I don't have the tools. Like there are so many free tools out there. It's absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. And, and if they're not free, they probably, if you do your due diligence. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't really understand it because I just, when I, when I first started my job, like I didn't know anything at all. So and I know there's probably people who are upset or complaining and they weigh, they know way more than me, but I'm just, I, I think you just have to be at a point right now where it's like, 
We have the internet. You have access to so many resources. There's so much free content from people who, who have done it the right way. If you just take a month to just dive down deep into something, you can see success. So I, I don't know. I just, I think it's, the content's just too accessible to not to have some type of success. I, just, I always point to the fact that you can, you can legitimately get a Harvard education for free. Harvard puts every one of their courses online for free. So you, now you won't get the degree. You won't get the low, you know, hey, exactly, yeah. Harvard, but you can get the same education that a Harvard kid is spending $50,000 a year to go fucking get kid. Right. So, <laughs> um, but I think, I, you know, you can do it. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I wish more people were more internally motivated um, because I do. And, and that's why Tony Robbins is so, so special and so popular is because, he does get people to kind of find that inner drive in a lot of ways. You know, the question is, I always question though, like if you, if you go to a Tony Robbins, here's the question I think we all need to ask ourselves, right? Yes. Every once in a while, we need a kick in the ass to kind of reshape our thinking or, or change our state and those type of things. And I think like a Tony Robbins session is a perfect example of that. And, and you know how he does the, the coals, right? Where you walk across the coals, mm -hmm. hot ass coals, you take your shoes off, whatever. So you're there. Tony Robbins, big head is in your face yelling at you. You got a hundred people, you got thousands of people cheering you on, right? So boom, you run across those coals and you're like, holy shit, look at me, I just did that, right? The question that we all, I think, need to ask ourselves is next week, right? those coals were there and Tony Robbins, big head wasn't yelling at you. Right. And, and, and you didn't have 10,000 people cheering your name. Would you still run across those coals? In what, 95%? Wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Well, so won't do it, right? Won't do it because yeah. they, because they again don't like need somebody else to tell them right what to do. So I think there's exactly there's a way to also look at it is you might not know you know something to think about, which is you might not need somebody to motivate you. You just might need somebody to hold you accountable. Yeah. Here's and it, not just your boss, but here's a perfect example, like. I'm, you know, I, I started going back to the gym, right? And, and the, the main reason I'm going back to the gym and how, why I still go at least once a week, right? I go every Saturday morning, nine o'clock. And I try to, you know, if I'm not traveling, I try to go sometimes throughout the week. But the main reason I go Saturday morning is because my neighbor, he goes with me, right? So there's accountability there. Like if I don't show up, I'm going to, I'm going to see him Saturday night grabbing a drink. <laughs> and he's going to be like, dude, what's up? I was like, oh man, I was tired. It's like, well, that's a lame ass excuse. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think you might need to, you know, instead of people looking for mentors or people to motivate them, I think another strategy for people going through those things is looking for a partner to, to and, and it doesn't have to be somebody you work with, doesn't have to be a friend, whatever, just somebody that is going to hold you accountable for, for doing things that you have to kind of, I don't want to say report to, but you're at least going to have to see and say, yeah, I didn't do that. Right. So. Yeah. Another. That's why. Yeah. And that's why I think you have to have that accountability partner, especially in sales. Like I had that uh, in my SDR group, like there was one guy, like we would always be competing for the number one spot and we're super tight to this day. He's one of my best friends, but like, if I won, I was like, I got you. But then the next month he's like, I'm coming after you. So we had that internal battle, but we kept each other accountable because that dashboard was up there every single week. So if he's got, if he's ahead of me, I'm like, shoot. All right. Like I need to pick it up this week. And that's, yep. a, that's a way that I think people, you stay motivated. It's <laughs> 
you can compete with internally. Not where like you're like button heads and survival, yeah. but it's like something that's healthy. And that's why people have personal trainers. It's not because I need the actual advice and, and everything there. It's more so like I gotta have someone who's gonna keep me accountable to actually doing the stuff I'm gonna do. Cause otherwise it'd be like, ah, I don't, I don't care. Right. So. Cool. cool, man. Well, yeah, that's about it on my end. Anything else on your end? No, I mean, that that's pretty much it. Um, I think in, or that's in two weeks, we'll be in San Francisco for the sales development conference. So that should be fun. Should be good. Yeah, that's gonna be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. But other than cool. that, no, it was, it was a good week. Um, it's good trainings. Moving on to the next one. Awesome, man. Well, what are you up to this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I my, my brother's birthday. So right. yeah, yeah, his birthday was two days ago. So he's in Athens. So I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna go up there and say what's up to him. And that's that's pretty much it. And then I got there's some stuff I'm building in my apartment, like for this balcony chairs and stuff like that. But that's pretty much it on my end. What about you? Uh, it was like a birthday. So our my my wife's brother's kid's birthday. So we might do that. Um, yeah. Then we're gonna hang out with some friends on Sunday, I think. But nothing crazy. Yeah. Cool. cool, man. Well, I will uh, I will see you on the flip side, all right? All right. All right, later, everybody. Have a great weekend. You guys. Thanks, uh...